again, it's great to have you all with us here this morning. I believe the people who are here, the people who listen online, that we're going to be talking to some people who have overcome some stuff in their lives. Over the next few weeks about overcoming some things. Okay, and how in the church today, even today, we have issues with understanding the freedom we've been given. As, as I was reading Acts this week um, with Shelley, and we're talking about it, and one of my devotional talks about, remember when Paul was in prison, and he's chained to a couple guards, and guards outside, and some other guards outside of that, so dude wasn't supposed to get out. Earthquake came. Angel walks in, shackles fall off. The picture I got when I read that, we still have the same prisons that people are living in today. Whether it's prisons of addiction, it's prison of fear, it's prison of not being as good as someone else, it's prison of self-pity. That same Jesus that freed Paul from the prison there has the same power to free our lives today. Thank you. That is a hallelujah thing because we live in bondage today. And that's why this whole overcoming series came about. As I was reading some books and doing some studying and watching some messages, I'm like, we need to get back to over, being overcomers. We hold ourselves back in, with fears of things. So this week, I'm talking about the overcoming of comparisons and how we like to compare ourselves to people. Next week... We're going to be overcoming the lies of labels and how we let things label us. And that's where we see our worth. And so I really believe between who's here and who's online listening, there's going to be some freedom given. Because Jesus is the one who comes to break chains. And that's what we're going to live in. And that's the power we're going to live in. And so today as we start talking about overcoming, some of you may think that you don't have anything to overcome. You don't ever compare yourselves. We all have things we need to overcome on a daily basis. And as we're talking about some of this stuff today, it may stir something up that you completely forgot, but didn't realize you still struggle with. And so that's my prayer for today, that the Holy Spirit, as we share this message and we go through this, he brings some things to light in us that are overcome in the name of Jesus that we've buried and hang on, hung on to. Whether it was something that happened way back in our past as we were a kid. Whether it was something that happened last week at our job and we just blew it off and thought we didn't care. But it's affected us. And so we're going to talk about how we can overcome those by the power of the Holy Spirit. A quick story, it says, years ago in Manchester, England, there lived a factory worker who had a re very responsible job. The whistle that marked the beginning and the end of each workday. Operated, he operated that clock, and it was his job to make sure the clock was accurate. So every day on his way to work, he stopped by the window of a clock shop. In the window was a very expensive clock, and he would set his watch by it. And then he set the factory whistle clock by his watch. Okay, so he walked into work. Dude goes by a nice clock factory, sees a clock, and says, that must be the right time, so I'm going to set my watch by this, and then I'm going to go to work and set the clock whistle by my watch because that will be with this one. And so the owner, began to, the owner of the shop began to notice him stopping by the window every day on his way to work, and he asked him, what are you doing? 
he explained that he set the factory clock by that fine clock in his window and so that the factory whistle would blow on time. The owner laughed and said, all this time I've been setting my clock by the factory whistle. Sometimes we do that with ourselves, don't we? We see somebody else, we try to do what they're doing because we think it's the right thing and all the time they're watching us and we're comparing ourselves and it's just going in a big circle. And how many of you have ever looked at someone else or looked at yourself in the mirror and thought to yourself, I could be worse? Because we compare ourselves to someone else. Or, how many of you ever heard this one? At least I'm not like that person. That's comparison. We're trying to justify our life by putting it against someone else's. When Jesus said, compare your life to me, because you're supposed to imitate and be transformed into my image. And so when we start comparing ourselves and we start thinking about what they're doing, chances are pretty good that at some point in your life you're going to find yourself satisfied You're going to take a look to the left and the right and at someone else and you're going to be like, ah, I've got it all figured out. I don't need to keep growing because we're comparing ourselves to what we think we should be doing. The main verse I'm going to have you look up today is found in Galatians. And then we're going to go to chapter 6, verse 4. Let everyone be sure to do his very best for then he will have the personal satisfaction of work done well and won't need to compare himself with someone else. Make sense? In other words, what God's calling us to do is for us to do our best, not compared to somebody else, to have a job well done so we can be satisfied with what we did. The minute we start comparing ourselves to other people, we start saying, I've done a better job or worse job than they did. How often do our kids do that? They compare themselves to one of their siblings because that other sibling may be treated differently. We try not to do it as parents, and we do. But occasionally, and and I can remember growing up going through that, my, my comparison wasn't so much, was I going to be better or worse than my brother or sister? It was, could I do something well enough to get the attention and affection of my father? And so I compared what I did to whether or not he responded to it. And so comparison isn't only just about other people. It's about the motives of why we're doing something. And so I would always work harder with sports, to get him to show up to a game. And when he did, that made my day. If he didn't, I would get angry and just work harder. And so I was constantly doing that comparison game of will I ever be good enough? And I found out through studying this that the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And so let me say that again. The fastest way to kill how you see yourself is to compare it to someone else. Because God made you special. God designed you with a purpose. And as I had that slide up there at the beginning, it says, when comparison begins, 
contentment ends. So when I start comparing the house I live in to someone else's, I start comparing the money I make with what someone else makes. I start comparing, for me, the size of our church compared to another church. The contentment God has placed me in and wants me to be in is lost because I don't think I'm enough. And so we start fighting with who we are. We start fighting with what God's called us to do. And it never, it's never been easier to compare ourselves with someone else or with something else in the history of the world than it is today. Social media. We're constantly looking at social media, and it is the quickest way to kill contentment. Because we see all these people who are going on vacation, and we sit in our own little rooms and says, how come I can never go on vacation? They must have it all together. We see these pictures of people out having fun. And it's like, why didn't I get invited to that? Why wasn't I cool enough to go hang out with them? And we start comparing our back room life with their highlight reels. We've talked about it in church many times. How many of you guys have ever taken a picture when you're arguing with your wife and posted on Facebook? Why not? Because we don't want people to see that. We want them only to see the cropped, perfect little world that we live in so we can get their approval and they will like us. It's what we do. We start saying, I must not be good enough because I'm, I don't measure up to what their life looks like. Now, working in a church for a lot of years, I've had a lot of people come up to me, and, and, and we'll be talking about something, and I'll, I'll send them to go talk to somebody, and they're like, well, I could never go talk to them because their life is perfect. If you've ever been in a church for any amount of time, or you've been a pastor, you've heard that. Their life and their marriage must be perfect. You have no idea what they're going through. We, we know when we get into people's lives, we get into their behind the scenes, what nobody else knows, and that's the only place that help can come. Everybody else looks from the outside in and thinks everything's together. Their clothes are nice, their hair is combed, they're sitting in church together, they're holding hands, they're singing the songs, they're having a good time. But yet on the way home, if they ride together, they're probably arguing. We've said it. Parking lot is the greatest miracle worker in all churches. Many people driving into a parking lot, it's, oh, healing has happened and we're all happy when we walk in the front door. But the minute we walk back out those doors and we get out the parking lot, it's game on again, isn't it? Because we start comparing what we think people want to see, not what God says. And when we listen to what God says about who we are, he says you are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer of these feelings of inadequacy. If we, if we dive into some scriptures today and we start looking at some things, I really believe that God's going to work in some hearts that listen to this and understand that God says you're an overcomer. You don't have to hang on to that baggage of self-esteem. 
Because again, when we compare ourselves to other people, it feeds our pride and our self-esteem. And so if we're going to turn, we're going to go in today into Hebrews, or not Hebrews quite yet, sorry, 2 Corinthians. And we're going to look at verse 12 in chapter 10. And see what Paul says about comparing ourselves to other people. And this is out of the New Living Translations. And it says, oh, don't worry. We, don't, we wouldn't dare say that we were as wonderful as those other men who tell you how important they are. Exclamation point after that. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. And how does he end that statement? How ignorant. How stupid. He says when we compare ourselves to other people. See, Paul's saying, don't be an idiot. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Because the minute you do, your contentment with who God's called you to be ends. I can only be what God's called me to be. I cannot be Emil. I cannot be Doug Vogley. I cannot be some megachurch pastor. I've got to be who God's called me to be. And out of that, God can do his work. But the minute I keep measuring myself by what other people say I should do, (laughs) Paul says... How ignorant, how stupid, you're foolish, you're unwise. There's not a good word for it. When I compare myself to someone else, I try to become who I'm not supposed to be. One of the problems, if you're taking notes today, is comparing yourself to other people does two things. It either makes you feel superior or it makes you feel inferior. And neither one of those two honors God. It makes you feel better than that other person or less than that other person. And again, neither one of those honors God. And isn't our calling to honor God with our lives? And so as, as you guys go through and read your Bible, <laughs> and this is kind of pointed out, and I kind of had to giggle at it when I started reading it. Have any of you guys read your Bible and realized these were real people? You ever thought about this is real people that are writing these things down? They had real problems. They struggled with some things. And if you can think like that and read your Bible and not giggle at these people, you're missing something. Because as I started going through this, and it was pointed out to me, if you look at John 20, okay, I'm just going to tell you the story, you don't have to look it up. But if you look at John 20, this is where Jesus is risen, right? And it, it, I, I had to giggle. Because in verse 8, it says, Then the disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. Okay, just before that, I'm telling you, John had, John had an ego issue. If you can't giggle at that when you read, he says, what does he say before that? The, the disciple who made it to the tomb first. And it said right before that that Peter and John took off running together. So he had to point out three times, if you read chapter 20, that he beat Paul to the tomb. Think there's some competition going on there? Yeah, Peter, sorry. Peter and John. And so John has to point it out a bunch of times that I beat him. I won. And I'm like, I'm giggling. I'm looking at that. I'm like, these dudes struggled with the same things we do. What does John say in his own gospel? The one who Jesus loved. How many times do we see that? 
we look at these guys and we forget they were real people that had the same self-esteem issues we might have. And we think they had it all together. And then in verse 20, it says Peter turns around and saw behind him. When, and we're going into chapter 21, I'm sorry, in John 21. You, you see Jesus, you see Peter out fishing because he didn't know what else to do. Jesus shows up, says, throw your nets over the other side, you'll catch some fish. <laughs> John points out that he recognized him first. If you read it, I recognized it was the Messiah, but Peter jumped in the water and had to swim to shore. They're still competing with each other. Three times now, Jesus sits Peter down and says, do you love me? And it was filio, filio, agape love. Okay, so do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. He gave Peter a job. But if you read on to chapter, in chapter 21 to verse 20, as G, Peter and Jesus are walking, Peter turns around, doesn't he? He doesn't keep his eyes on Jesus. He turns around and see who's following him. And he turns around, and who did he see? He saw the disciple that Jesus loved. Peter's having an encounter with Jesus. And what does he do? He says, what about this dude, Jesus? What about this guy behind me? And Jesus' response we should all listen to for our lives. If I want him to live until I come back, that's my business, not yours. Get to the work I've called you to do. Stop comparing ourselves with people. Stop wasting your time talking about someone else who cannot do the thing God's called you to do. And he says to Jesus, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Right? He said, feed my sheep, follow me. Your lane, your job, your road is to feed my sheep. Focus on the job I've given you, not the job I've given to someone else, and feed my sheep. And when we can start understanding that Jesus has faithfully given us a job to do, and we can focus on that, because Paul says time and time again, my focus is on the prize. It's not who's running next to me. It's on the prize and the higher calling of Jesus. That's my job, to preach to the Gentiles. Or we can stop asking the questions, what about them? What about that church? What about this person who does my job? What about this person who I'm not quite as good at, I don't think? And we can focus on who we have, are to become. Because we can never fully follow Jesus if we're always comparing ourselves to someone else. So this is a very important question. It's so simple, but it is life-changing to get it right. The question is, who or what is going to define your worth? Who or what will define your worth? Is it going to be your dad, who might not be no longer alive, is it going to be your mother? Is it going to be your job? Is it going to be your spouse? 
Is it going to be your kids? Is it going to be your vacation? Is it going to be the house you live in? Is it going to be the car you drive? Is it going to be where you live? Is that where you're going to find your worth? Because if that's where you look for your worth, you're never going to find the worth that you were created for. If your answer is anything else besides Jesus, you will never become all you were meant to be. And when we can stop comparing people's highlight reels with our backroom <laughs> cuts that don't get to see the screen, and we realize our worth is in the name of Jesus who died for you, and we can grasp the fact that if I would have been the only person alive at that time, God's desire to be with me was still so great, his son would have came to die for me. My worth is, is so much more than I can imagine. Your value, your worth is in Christ. And once you understand that, you start running the race that he's given you. Because it doesn't matter what other people think, it matters what God says. It doesn't matter what other people do, it, remem- it, re- it remembers what Jesus has done. And the last, cha- the last book we're going to go into this morning is in Hebrews. And it talks about our worth. It talks about our race. It talks about what we're called to do and become. And we look at chapter 12. And starting right off in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So if we can run the race God has called us to run, not comparing ourselves to other people, staying focused on Jesus, by his own word, he says, you have a place of honor in my house. How many people want to live in that place of honor in God's house? Then we run the race God set before us. We have cheerleaders cheering us on in heaven. The great crowd of witnesses it talks about. It talks, that's the saints who went before us, who knew what we would go through, are cheering you on. They're saying you can do it. When you don't think you can do it anymore, they're saying just a little bit more, you're going to make it. He says never give up. And so we run the race that's marked out for us. We stay in our lane. We fulfill our purpose and we do what we were created to do and keep our eyes focused on Jesus. I can't run someone else's race and neither can you. That's what it does. It causes us to want to run someone else's race. It takes my eyes off the race that God's called me to do and it takes my eyes off of Jesus. And so I cannot win someone else's race. And so I wake up every day with my eyes on Jesus. I wake up every day and say, Jesus, you get to define my worth today. Not what I see in a mirror. 
God, you have created me to be someone special. And I submit and surrender before you. Why do we talk about reading our Bible when we first get up in the morning? Because it changes our perspective of who we think we are into what God says we are, and we see the victory he's already claimed for us, even though we may not see it. That's why we talk about starting our day off that way. And so I need to say to myself every morning, this is my race. God has called me to do this. God has called me to go to my job today and be the best Whatever that job is, I'm going to be the best I can do at that today. Ask yourself that question every morning when you wake up. Where are you going to find your worth? And if it's not in Jesus, I can tell you pretty much from experience, your day is going to be a frustration. Because your spouse isn't always going to be happy with you in the morning. Or your kids may not be perfect in the morning. Or when you drive to work, somebody might cut you off. But when my worth is in Jesus, I'll stop comparing myself to who other people say I am, and I'll start declaring who God says I am.